I'm Catherine Gallagher. Jan Pesson. And this is Bitchin' About Food. Oh, yeah. I'm still under the weather, Jan, because, yes. you know, we're recording again right after I know. Lou. Yeah. My coughing fit in the middle of Lou was really a highlight, I thought. Uh, it was for me. I'm glad you took it over. It got you out of the room. <laughs> so I was happy about that. Don't be a bitch from hell. Listen, we have a very special guest today. We do. Very special. She's not in the States very often, but here she is right in front of us. Sheila Linderman, ladies Yay. and gentlemen. Woo-hoo. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Thank you for having me. Bienvenue. Merci. Oh, merci. Do you, are you fluent now that you live? I've been fluent for a long time. I, I actually have a master's in interpreting. Okay. Yeah, because she... Yeah, Catherine. I'm okay. a woman of many tongues. Okay. Sheila lives about an hour away from our friend Catherine Detrave when Catherine's in Sarla. But I have a list of things to talk about. I have a list of things. Sheila was recommended to us by our pal Judy, who was on the podcast. Judy Hing, you may remember. And Sheila, when Judy met Sheila, she was a pastry chef, right? Correct. And I need to talk about pastry chef. Okay. Baking in general, being a pastry chef, what is the deal? It's a certain discipline, I would say. Well, yes, but it's a discipline that I don't have. Like, And it's not for everybody. Yeah, but I want to have it. Mm, okay, you can be trained. You can, but there are certain things that are uh, more instinctual. Uh, yeah, as certain, it requires a certain anal retentive quality. Well, she I, has that. I have that. Okay, yeah. then the if, anal part. Shut if up, you yeah. prefer, okay, and I see how it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So if you. Uh, like to just throw things together, Yes, not good for baking. But if you are good at following a recipe, which I think of as a formula, if you weigh things instead of measuring them with cups, you can, you too can be a great baker. Okay. I won't say pastry chef because chef equals training. Yeah. Okay. But you so. did do that. I did do that. You did that. I did that thing. I, the CV that I have in front of me for for Sheila's life is just a <laughs> miraculous thing in general. But but Jan, let's look at Jan for a minute. Jan, I would describe as a half-assed cook, but she kills when it comes to baking. I only kill, getting back to what Sheila just said, the only reason I kill at baking is as I have a few things that I bake that I follow that recipe to a T. Right? So do I, and my no, cakes I doubt, still turn out I, like Drek. I doubt that you do. Drek. You, you are doing something different because... I went online and I got the pans that Stella Parks told me to get. I got a scale. I got the right flour because who knew that there was different kinds of flour? Who knew that King Arthur flour was bad for cakes and gold medal flour is good for cakes? I got the right flour and, I, and my cakes still turn out like crap. Or maybe your recipes suck. I don't know. I don't know. I got mm. it from, mm. Do you have the new French baker? Uh, no. I happen to have written it. Oh, oh, oh I should, talk, should I have brought a copy? That would have been nice of me. No, let's hear Along with the, the rillette that I forgot to bring. But you no. know, what's the rillette? The, that, you talked about the pork, the pork thing. That but, except this about. is goose. We brought it from France oh. and uh, it's a spread, basically. Remember we talked about it with Made oh, of yeah. Yeah, yeah. slow cooked, in this case, goose. So good. And it's, it's cooked in its own fat. So good. Mm. Add a couple spices shred the shit out of it. Oh, God. And it's when it's chilled, Heaven. it is this amazing spread. Heaven. Mm. And um, hey, it's keto. 
There, I <laughs> said it. Exactly. Except for the bread, and and I'm gluten free, so oh, you, you know, for oh, yeah, me, it's I just a spoon. Okay, wait a second. So let's go back. So let's talk. God, there's so much. I I, I can't even begin to think. Um, my mind just went blank. I have what? so much to talk about with Sheila. I have so much. Okay, to talk about. being a pastry chef. Yeah. Baking. Baking. Why? What started you? Oh, uh, this is this one's actually pretty easy. <laughs> but bizarre. Uh, when I was still in college at UC Santa Cruz, I had a chance to go work in a German exchange program that was being put out by um, some college in, I, I want to say San Jose. I can't remember back that far. They ended, ended up sending me to, um, I, let me just backtrack a little bit. I was a biologist, okay? And yeah. for years I worked uh, over the summers at a lab at UCLA. And uh, one day my then boss, who became my ex-boss, uh, sent me a note saying that she had succumbed to nepotism and had given my job away to one of her kids. Bitch. So, um, Really? Yeah. So I had nothing to do over the summer. The day after I received this letter, I was approached by my German professor who asked if I would be interested in an exchange program, an opening had just come up. So, yeah, absolutely. Got together, you know, got my passport together very quickly, uh, and off I was to Germany. Only after stopping in New York for my cousin's wedding, where my some of my cousins literally spat on me because I was going to Germany. But I digress. Oh my God! What? Yeah, because I was I grew up Orthodox, so oh, we got to talk about that. Too. Yeah, well, if we must. Um, so I went to Germany, and I ended up working. Uh, first, I worked in a small inn uh, in the Bavarian Alps, and they didn't have enough work for me, so they sent me to work at this in the kitchen of this fabulous spa hotel. Oh, okay. I. Absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, ended up coming back, finishing my research in biology, um, leaving the whole med school track behind. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that for a second because science, okay, yeah. Stella Parks and other pastry chefs that I read and follow, they have a strong science Absolutely. background. Absolutely. There's something about science and pastry chef. Absolutely. Or science and baking in general that go hand in hand. You have to have a, and maybe that's why I'm not good at it. I don't know why you're good at it. But <laughs> I don't either. We don't, like a it, science. It helps. A it, science it's not a requirement. Point. It's not a requirement, but it helps. You have a certain way of looking at things. I see things as a, a reaction, a chemical reaction. Maybe your cake's come out shitty because you uh, my cakes come you, out shitty because i have a bad attitude that's oh, what it is okay so you hate them beforehand they know yeah, it and the they, energy, they pay you back the energy goes into the pan it's like yeah no we're not gonna rise we're, okay you know, so they're predestined off. to yeah yeah okay failure yeah. failure no i i i'm not sure that's it truly it's not very scientific although now i'm getting better i mean i do have some that are okay but but in general whenever i approach baking Here's another question for you. Why in America are there the same five desserts in every restaurant? You know, creme brulee, assorted sorbet, chocolate molten cake, 
you know, apple crumble? Is it because they're the easiest ones? They don't want to hire a full-time pastry chef. They don't want to be creative in the kitchen with desserts. Like, what is the deal? Well, I'll tell you that I made all of those 40 years ago when I first came back here. And at the time, they were all the rage. I am telling you that no one, uh, until I started working at Chardonnay, had a cake that was like naked on the sides, a a mousse cake, where it was completely visible from the sides and and, uh, basically put together in a stainless steel ring. That was unheard of. They had not used blowtorches in kitchens here when I came when I first came back. So um, some people have evolved. You have to go to a really high end restaurant to get really creative yeah. desserts. Yeah, I think um, it's unfortunate, but there are also you know the issues with yes, they don't want to hire a high end pastry chef. So they... Um, they just kind of cobble together what they, they know is going to work. Exactly. Yeah. And people go for it. So why change? So you're in the spot in Germany and you're thinking to yourself, I can do this. I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. I was also, at that time, that's when I became anorexic. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Maybe not. Um, yeah. But I was completely obsessed with food and how not to make it. I mean, how not to eat it. But you love making it. I loved making it. And of course, I was enjoying vicariously through watching other people eat. But weren't you at least tasting what you were making? I was tasting things. Absolutely. I was absolutely tasting things. Okay. Um, But that would then become all I ate for the day. Got it. Well, I want to read what you, because I sent you all these things I wanted to talk about. And you sent me back all the things that you were going to ask me about. And I want to read, grew up an Orthodox Jewish kosher home where food was very important, unhealthily so. What does that mean? Because everything was made with chicken fat and all the guys? No, no, no. That was, I mean, uh, psychologically unhealthy. Okay. Um, oh, you're too fat. Oh, you're oh. too thin. Oh, you look so you look so unhappy. Here, let me make you something to eat. You shouldn't die from hunger. Oh, I like that. You know, I mean, it was, it was pretty imposing. And the constant consciousness of size. Did you have, did you have like two stoves and two fridges and all that full? No, uh, no, because we had a small house, but um, my parents had two sets of dishes and my mother would, and I'm using air quotes here because nobody can see me, but uh, she would kosher the sink every time. What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, she would make it fit for, you know, changing dishes from you, from you, meat to dairy. How do you do that? Uh, just scouring. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was tedious, um, but it was all I knew, so it was fine. Okay. Then you wrote, I started eating non-kosher food at age 14, fried chicken at the Pickle Barrel in Chicago. Okay. Any recognition of the no, Pickle Barrel? But you're no, from Chicago. You? You're I'm from, from Chicago. So yeah. am I. Yeah. So are we. Well, I am more than you. Yeah. Why, okay, wait, question. Why is fried chicken not kosher? Uh, well, it, it's intrinsically kosher if it's made from kosher chicken okay. in a kosher restaurant. So there oh. can't be any milk touching it. The, kosher, the restaurant has to be kosher for it okay. to be kosher chicken. Okay. So that was my first foray into non-kosher, and then I went directly to crab. <laughs> I, did not, I did not pass go. <laughs> I, How was I the need, family reaction to that? 
Um, not good. Yeah. Not good. Uh, I might have overstepped a bit when I when we came out here in 1971 and I started eating non-kosher food in front of my parents. Well, let's talk about that. So you can't eat crab or lobster or any of that stuff because they're ground feeders, right? They're bottom feeders? Well, they're shellfish. They're shellfish. shellfish. In order for fish to be kosher or anything that comes forth from the sea or water, it has to have fins and scales. Why? That's what the, actually That's... the rabbis, this is a rabbinical teaching, not a Torah teaching. That's what they decided was cleaner because they did see that uh, shellfish and others that did not move around very much were bottom feeders or, uh, as my friend Guy in France would say about mussels, a filter for the entire ocean. Yeah, that's... Health reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was all based reason. on that. You know, all based. A lot of the stuff that's in kosher law is actually pretty good for you. Like you don't mix... If you mix meat and dairy, it's not that great for your digestive system. Right, there, but it tastes great. I know, yeah. but it's not that good. Damn, for you. no, I it's know. not. But, but I mean, and a lot these... of it was preserving. They were trying to preserve the food in a way that was, you know, because it wasn't refrigeration and stuff. I mean, also, in like you know, no pork. It's because people got sick and died if they from ate... tapeworm. Yeah, yeah. Do you eat pork now? Oh yeah. Okay, good. But I, I prefer. Let me just interject here that uh, when I do eat meat, and I don't eat a lot of it. Uh, I prefer that it be organic. Interesting. Uh, because I know I know what goes into that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I factory farmed pork here in the U.S. is just grotesque. Pork, pork freaks me out anyway, but I eat oh, it. But still. Yeah, but yeah. I heard your story about the pork juice. I threw that away. Yeah, you know what? You didn't have to. That was that really? was just kind of silly. But okay. but we we can we can we'll talk be, about that offline. Yeah, I actually made. I actually made carne arrivada last weekend, and it turned out great, so I was very happy with it. Oh, okay, I didn't know. Was it delicious? Yeah. Good. I have a whole bunch in my freezer, Janelle. Mm, maybe fine. Maybe no, I, won't. I don't want any of your no, I'm not getting any. Keep okay. it. At 21, while I was studying biology at UC Santa Cruz, I went to Germany on an exchange program, came back with anorexia. I finished my bio research and degree. So you have a bio degree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I ditched medical school and went for a culinary arts AA from L.A. Trade Tech. Where's, yes. Where's L.A. Trade Tech? Downtown L.A. on, I want to say, no, I can't remember. It's on Washington Boulevard. And let me just put in a little shameless plug for them. Um, public school, trade school. Oh, yeah. Super cheap. Fantastic are they program. still there? They oh, still? yeah. Okay. And they have a uh, a culinary arts, pro I mean, uh, pastry program, which they did not have when I went. Uh, now the head is retiring. His name is Bob Wemishner, but it is superb. Okay. And so no need to go to CIA or any of the culinary schools. You can stay right here. And you know, I have a collection of degrees, but I really earned a living with uh, an AA from LA Trade Tech. Okay. Okay. You know, that's know. that simple. Yeah. And I remember now what I was going to ask you before. We should plug your books like and your web and your Instagram. Like, what's your Instagram handle? Is it at? Do you I wanna... so rarely use. And okay, I'm well, terrible. I'm a bad person. Okay. What about it, what, your books? What are your books called? We can find them on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Um, probably out of print, but. Uh, the book I wrote myself is called The New French Baker. Ooh. And Judy Judy helped me 
because I had a budget for illustrations and a budget for photography. But the person I wanted to illustrate my book was in New York. We were in L.A. So Judy would videotape me. Remember <laughs> videotapes? Yes. Um, she would videotape me making whatever pastry I was going to be making. And she, th I, we would stop at the points where we wanted the illustration done and say, take a, you know, do an illustration of this. And uh, my friend in uh, New York um, actually captured all of that for the book. So that was in 19, the book came out in 1998. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then let's see. Just out of curiosity, when you, how did you get rid of the anorexia? A lot of therapy. Okay. A lot of therapy. But first I had to realize that I was, that I had a problem. And I call that my nervous breakthrough. Okay. Um, I had not heard in my head music for a year. And then one day I was walking through campus, UC Santa Cruz, and I was whistling again. And that's when I realized, oh my God, I have a problem here. I need to get, I need to get help. And uh, yeah, a lot of therapy started from that point. Okay. So then your relationship with food became a healthy one as opposed to healthier, healthier. I Is it something you still struggle with? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's an ongoing who doesn't? Process. No, it's true. Uh, who doesn't? But some of us... More than others. Yeah, some yeah. of us more than others. And um, it, it is very fraught. You know, it, it really is. And when uh, helping raise my stepkids, you know, seeing certain traits or whatever in any of... It, I'm very sensitive to... Uh, food-related criticism, body dysmorphia stuff, very sensitive to it. Yeah. it. You will never hear me say... You shouldn't eat that. You sh well, even more like you really need to lose some weight Ugh. or... Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't do it. It just brings up so much. And I think it's wrong. I think it's just wrong to say that. It's over a line. And uh, people, I mean, I can say it for myself. I oh. need to lose some weight. But if somebody came up to me and said, you need to lose some weight, I would be devastated. Absolutely. Even though I feel that way. Absolutely. It would be devastating. I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and likewise, if somebody came up to you, as they did with me, and say, oh, my God, you need to, you look horrible. You need to, you need to eat Oh my, what is wrong with you? That is not helpful. That is not helpful. No, no I get it. No. Anyway, All right. that's we're, what we were moving you, on. Um, after working at Phoenix, did you get to that? No. After working at Phoenix as a pastry chef, you then worked at Chocolat. Cocola. 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 Famous Very... for their chocolate truffles and other chocolate desserts in the Bay Area. Yeah. Oh. That was a great stepping stone for me. Uh, from there, I actually went to France, but um, just for the, I, I was head baker, and just for the cakes that I baked 
um, I went through 5,000 pounds of chocolate a month. Chocolate's a pain in the ass. It is. It's a, it is a science unto itself. Absolutely. Follow, Absolutely. You follow Amory Gauchon? Amory, that oh, I love oh him. My oh, my God. He's, he is insane. He's a genius. He is an absolute genius. I don't see how anybody could eat anything he makes. It's just too beautiful. But um, I also don't know what they sell those things for. But, yeah, I'm sure it's like a sandwich at Brent's. This guy is just, you can't, like, he could make this building out of chocolate. Wow. I mean, he is just. Uh, more can't. like the microphone. He would do a, a chocolate microphone or a chocolate guitar. You can't believe what this guy does with chocolate. It's, he's like, the, and he's cute. He's so sweet. He's adorable. Okay. Mm. Left to take classes at L'Ecole Le, Le Nôtre in Paris, but fell and broke my leg the first day. Indeed. There. Yes. I broke my ankle Was that walking down the Champs-Élysées. Oh, my God. Yes. I love to tell the story when they picked me up, not in an ambulance, no in a paddy wagon from the police and brought me out to the American hospital in Neuilly. And at that point, I, I spoke, I could not put together a, 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 a sentence in French. I could not. It was really in the hospital where I was for three weeks that I learned French. Yeah. Ended up coming back for three months, then moved to Paris and lived with my roommate from the hospital for three years. Yep. I love that. <laughs> yep. Pascaline Simard. I was one of only five female pastry chefs in Paris at the time and the only American. What was that like? Dis Weird. Discriminatory? Well, it was, they, they thought I was some kind of freak because not only was I a woman, and as one of my bosses said, on top of everything, you're Jewish. Not only that, but I had left uh, medical school or the possibility of medical school uh, to follow this sort of peon work that um, children in France start when they're 14 years old. Which is what? Uh, well, you know, in France, they have uh, two tracks. You, in junior high school, you either go to the academic track, which takes you to lycée and the baccalauréat, et cetera, et cetera, or you go to an apprenticeship of some sort and, or a, um, a, a trade. You go into a trade. So when I was working in Paris, I was actually working with 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds, because at that point they were out of, the, uh, out of the classroom. And just quick story, uh, I was working in one place where we made both sweet and savory pastries. And one day I had to make a batch of mayonnaise for some reason because they were still doing the very classic, you know, chaud-froid kind of uh, uh, pastries and, and savory items like pâté in a, in a crust. Anyway, I'm making um, mayonnaise. It breaks. And this little shit comes up to me and says, ah, do you have your period? Oh, my God. It's like... What? First of all, you know, that Bubba Mainza, the that old wives' tale that a woman on her period cannot make, that, that it'll break if she makes mayonnaise. And that's where that came from. So, yeah, I was working with a lot of high intelligence. Not at all. None. Wow. None. But 
I would say geniuses in their own right. In what way? Um, some of the people I worked with were absolutely masterful at what they did. And I had nothing but admiration for what they did. And are you in touch with any of these people? I am. I am. Okay. Actually, uh, one guy who um, had hired me after he opened his own pastry shop, and it was in the 15th arrondissement where I know you live. I did, yes. And I, you were on Boussicot? Yes, exactement. And I lived in the 14th on Rue d'Alésia. Okay. So I was Metro Alésia. Um, and, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. By the church. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he hired me when he opened his own place. This guy was just a phenomenal chocolatier. Mm. Um, I also did a stage at La Maison de Chocolat uh, when I was there. So it was uh, working with them was absolutely formative. Um However, learning my techniques for organization in Germany was really the crowning touch. So organization, German, recipes, French, bingo. Got Great it. combination. Got it. So I was, um, we were just talking about how the, these young people that she worked with were actually quite uh, genius why am I repeating it? The uh, I don't have to repeat this for you. No, I no. Okay. And then after that, you came back to the States and you started working at Le Chardonnay. Correct. That's where you met Judy. That's where I met Judy. And you were the head pastry chef. I was the only pastry chef. You were the only pastry chef. I was the pastry chef, chef okay. in the restaurant. This was back in the heyday of French restaurants in LA. Right. There were some really amazing ones. And uh, they had true kitchen brigades where they would have the... Uh, garde manger, you know, the salad, salads and cold, uh, pastry, sauce, you know, sous chef. And it really was organized like a true French kitchen. Mm. And uh, there were a lot of people who said that Claude Arrivi, who was the chef at Chardonnay, uh, was running a um, culinary school for Hispanics. Because anybody who came out of his kitchen could get a job any, at any restaurant afterwards. Not that they left. I was going to say. They stayed for the abuse. Oh, and, was he a real? You know, I loved him. Yeah. I absolutely loved him. But he could be verbally and even physically abusive. Stuff what? that would not fly now. There was one guy. Uh, he's like the he's like the chef in like the the mystery shows that ends up getting killed, and it's like who did him? Yeah, who did it? Yeah, there's so many choices, there's right? So, right. Yeah, could be anyone. Could be anyone. Was it the pâtissier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he he used to pick on this guy Clark, who was the sort of the front man. Clark used to run the grill from the front of the house where people could see him, and. Claude would reach for him through the pass and like draw him to the kitchen oh and start swearing. He would throw pots at him, not out into the, the dining room, but, and Clark would just smile and laugh. He was, he was interesting, mm. but Claude was just the best. Then you worked in other restaurants in the interim, got an MA in foreign language and translating, moved to Italy, worked as a translator, moved back to LA. Went into business with a partner who later sued you. 
importing vanilla from Madagascar. Right. And uh, not going to name any names, Mm -hmm. not necessary, but uh, that's where I learned my passion for uh, organics. And this was even before the National Organic Program. This was in 1994, and we were the first ones to bring in organic vanilla from Madagascar. And I was very involved in that project, went to Madagascar, was there for the inspections of the vanilla plantations. Uh, What was that like? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. You mean Madagascar, Yeah, I don't even know where it is. It's magical. It's the fourth largest island in the world, and it's off the uh, southeast coast of Africa. Okay. So the closest place to fly into is uh, Cape Town. Then you went to your high school reunion, met your husband. Yes. Co-wrote or ghost-wrote four books. Then you started your own consulting firm to get organic certification. You're still doing that from France. 2008, diagnosed with celiac disease. 2021, you moved to the Dordogne by Catherine. Celiac. Yes. Have you always had it? Probably. Really? Probably. I've always had gut issues and attributed it to uh, either, you know. Stress. Stress, whatever. My parents both had gut issues. I had ulcers when I was really young. So Has it improved since you got off? Oh, vastly. Vastly. It's, I would say it's under control, except when I found a baker in uh, a bakery in France that supposedly had gluten-free bread, but in fact it wasn't. And uh, exactly. So uh, that was, those are two weeks I'll never get back. But um, by and large, I, I can even eat the occasional bread product in France because they they use different wheat. They don't monoculture their wheat there, and that is a huge issue Let's here. Let's talk about that. My friend who's lactose intolerant can eat anything in Italy, mm-hmm. gelato-wise. I believe it. Everything's pure. Right. Europe, everything is pure. Right. Wheat, milk, everything. It's just better in, it's, your, in it's Europe. It's just better. Smaller crops, more variety. Uh, How do you find life in France as compared to life in L.A.? Do you like it? I'm never coming back here. Small town France life? Uh, Good. It's, we love it. We wake up every morning, regardless of what's going on around us, you know, work-wise or anything, and we're happy. We wake up in a place where we're happy every morning. That's amazing. I wish that for everybody. Yeah. It's it is just fabulous. We love the lifestyle. We love the food, of course. We love the people. They seem not to hate us. Eh. Bonus. Helpful. And uh, what, what do you love about it? I mean, specifically, like what is it because it's what? What exactly? You know, first of all, there's much less rushing mm. for everything. Yeah. Uh, Just as an example, you know, I lived in Paris for three years, loved Paris, really wanted to spend the rest of my life there, but it didn't work out. I can't spend more than a week in Paris now because it's so crazy. It's. But how did you make that transition from fast, 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 fast to slow? It was actually very easy. It was? I was, I, I had become naturally slow. So this just fit. 
Um, you know, I've been working on my own for uh, 22 years. I go at my own pace. Uh, of course, when I have to, I can pick up the pace to accommodate my clients or whatever. But my natural position is now low key. People who know me from a long time ago won't believe this, but it's true. Who cooks in the relationship now? I do. All of it? All of it. Oh, God. But Alan is the perfect sous chef. Meaning what? Um, he reads my mind when I need something. He knows. Uh, if I ask him to prep something, he will, and he'll do it perfectly. Uh, it might take him longer than I would take, but that's fine. I know this. Who does the shopping? I do. Well, you know what? We both do. Um, I do the shopping, but we both love to go to the open markets together. Fabulous. You know, and we'll see something and that'll become dinner. You know, we'll get our insp inspiration from whatever is fresh. So you that do it daily. Day. So you, you don't do plan. it daily. You don't plan. If not daily, um, at least three, four times a week. Yeah. But when you were raising your stepkids, did you cook for them? Oh, absolutely. And we we rarely ate out. And you did all the cooking. For them. I did all the cooking. And cute story. Um, I met the kids in 1995. I had just come back from a long trip to France. And um, how old were they? The twins were six and Sarah was two and a half. Oh, God. And They're babies. They were. They were. And and let me just say that these are three amazing human beings, amazing human beings. So um, I I was going to cook for the kids. Now, I knew at that point that they only ate five things, hot dogs, hamburgers, mac and cheese, pizza, and spaghetti. Okay. Okay? So I figured I would make macaroni and cheese my way. So, you know, I start with a bechamel, mm -hmm. and I use three imported cheeses, and I, I put a lovely gratin on top, come out to the table, and Hannah says, why can't we have regular macaroni and cheese? From a box. From a box. And Jeremy, bless his heart, says, Hannah, this is French macaroni and cheese. Oh, my God. I love that guy. It was, I, by the way, ended up opening a couple boxes of craft. Yeah. Just because they were not having it. But that ended. That absolutely ended. How did you expand their palate? How do you do that? Started introducing to them to things. Also said, this is what we're having for dinner. Oh, boundaries. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not running a restaurant here. I made stuff that would not be scary to them. Yeah. But when Sarah was maybe five years old, we went to a sushi bar and she asked if they had ankimo. Ankimo is monkfish liver. So my job was done. Okay. You did good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know what yeah. that is. You oh, it's good. so good. It's it's like foie gras consistency wise. Does it taste like liver? Not really. Do you, you make a you, you grimace when you say that not, not a liver person? Mm -mm. You might want to try it. Really? Okay. Ankimo. Okay. <sighs> and you only get that at a sushi bar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ankimo. Ankimo. Got it. I well, eat a lot of sushi, so. Yeah, she does. She eats way more, mm -hmm. yeah. So why is why why do some pastry chefs go crazy? What is it about the pastry chef part? That, yeah. Like or there's so many reasons to go crazy as a pastry chef. Can't you prepare a lot of stuff in advance? Well, you have to. You can't be baking cakes on the fly. No, you can't. In, in fact, uh, I was once asked to, and I basically said, you know, what do you think I do? Eat flour and shit a cake? No. Exactly. You can't do that. Uh, 
it's all about preparation and what we call mise en place. But um, I, I don't know that, well, first of all, I don't know that I'm the person to ask why so many pastry chefs go crazy because, you know, I'm kind of crazy. But um, perhaps the exacting nature of it, perhaps the hours which are horrifying. Yeah, you have to be there early. Really early, especially if you're doing bread. Um, I still have constant dreams, borderline nightmares about, you know, bread rising out of the bowls and devouring, you know, the whole Lucy and Ethel thing with the bread. Um, It's... What happens if you're in a restaurant and you run out of dessert? Like you run out of the dessert that you, like you just... It means it was good. Yeah, I, I mean, ideally, you you want to sell your last dessert in each category, you know, at the last order. Sheila, I feel like the paper. I felt like I was at a matinee in some shtetl. No, you yeah, did. with the Jewish with, old with my mother. Yeah. Oh my God, how did you know? No, shut I just up! Knew. It wasn't shut up. It wasn't uh, that loud. It was loud. Funerals too, by the yeah. way. Yeah, shut up Listen. for sure. Anyway, um, okay. What's your favorite thing to make dessert-wise? Oof. What's your go-to now? Now that you're slowing down in France with fabulous ingredients at your fingertips, what's your favorite you know thing what, to this, make? This might sound ridiculous. No. Uh, first of all, I'll cook any fresh fruit that's in season, or I'll just put it out on the table. Because, for, for instance, the strawberries right now, they're the uh, gariguette. They're long, narrow, mm-hmm. you know, uh, super juicy, very fragile, no air inside. They, they're a dessert by themselves. But um, I like rice pudding. What? Uh-huh. Wow. And you know what? When I make it, people love it. Well, Sheila, let us be the judge. Well, I, this, <laughs> this can be arranged. I'll be back. Okay, good. I'll be back. That's Excellent. Kinda... I mean, I love pudding. Um, but I don't I... like rice pudding. <gasps> I don't either. Really? Well, Sheila, there you go. Okay, I, I feel challenged. challenged. And I, I love pudding. Throwing down the gauntlet mm-hmm. here. I love pudding, too. But... I love any custard. Me I love too. any custard. And, and ice cream. I love ice cream. I can't make it now because I don't have a, a mixer with a turbine, but um, I used to make all the ice cream and sorbet at Chardonnay. I loved it. Did you create your own flavors? Yeah. Yeah, but I also did the classics. Uh, I didn't get, go too far out there, but the coffee was made with coffee. Yeah. And uh, it's my co- favorite. Oh, I love coffee oh, ice cream. Oh, my, my goodness. Trader Joe's is good. The coffee bean blast is good. That's not a bad... It actually is. It's really good. I have a friend who can't eat it because it actually has cocoa in it. Yeah. Dean is up all night when he eats coffee ice cream from Trader Joe's because it's super caffeine-y. It's really good. That's probably why I don't eat that. Coffee bean blast. Doesn't agree with me. Um, Question, and then I'll let you ask your question too, Catherine. But when, like... Where do you, when you come back to the state, and then curiously, like I, I, you were talking about what you love about living outside of Paris, et cetera. What is the biggest difference though, between living in France outside of Paris and living in a small town, like in the United States? Cause that's more laid back too. True. But, um, and I've, you know, honestly never lived in a small town in the United States other than Santa Cruz, which, you know. Yeah, was pretty cosmopolitan for what it right. for what it was, right? And, and still is, but um, 
There's a je ne sais quoi. There's a un certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah. But in fact, um, I would have to say that the determining factor for me is the food. Okay. It really is. I mean, the... The cheeses. The, the cheese. Oh, my God. And It's the, worth giving up your citizenship for. It and really the way is. they revere food and cherish it and respect it and would rather cut off their, you know, arms than uh, make a fried Snickers bar or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Got it. I mean, okay. it, it really is that. It's not just the lifestyle. I love the lifestyle. I know people who live in Michigan. They love their lifestyle. They have wonderful things. Uh, in the summer, yeah. Yeah. And it. and we don't have a lot of winter. We have, where we live, we do have a winter. It gets cold, but that also means we can have lilacs and fragrant roses and forsythia in the spring and tulips and yeah but it's coming so so you're back in america now for a while, for a little bit so what's the biggest challenge finding a good place to eat finding food that you like no not really Do you have your um, old favorites for me here the biggest challenge is the traffic <sighs> and in fact when people say you know why did you move to france or why did you leave la more specifically yeah um we always say the cars and the people who drive them. <laughs> yeah, They're, yeah. It's just unbearable for us. The traffic is unbearable. So when you're back here, where do you go to Yeah, eat? what do you do for food when we you're back a, here? Do you cook? We do not starve. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. But uh, we have a couple of favorites. We have a couple of ethnic favorites that we don't get in the Dordogne. For example, we don't get Vietnamese food. And we don't get, um, or not much of it, uh, we don't get Persian food, which we love. Uh, and We're waiting for names, Sheila. Oh, you want names? Yeah. Carnival in uh, Sherman Oaks. Oh, yeah. What kind of food? It's, it's Lebanese. Oh. The best chicken shawarma on the planet, That's as far as I know. One of Dean's favorite foods. And the best fries. Really? They're twice cooked carnival they're hand carnival carnival okay they're hand cut uh hand cut they are superb okay and okay. they they have an eggplant salad that is to Sounds die delicious. for it is yeah. absolutely fabulous oh god what about uh persian persian uh we have a couple of favorites uh, although we just found one the other night that was really amazing it's in LA because we're staying in the valley, so that's my my reference. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, and damn it, if I can't, it's, it's called. Is it, uh, is it in Westwood? No, it's in Westchester. Oh, oh that's where we that's live. Where we it's, live. It's um. Oh my goodness, I can't remember the name. That's okay. You could text it to us. I'll text it to you. Or if I it just is, type in Persian food Westchester, they it'll come have up. they have lamb kubide. Let me look. Yeah, look it up and I'll tell you. It's two names. I'm um, Googling it right now. Uh, please do, air. because I would love to uh, be able to recommend it. They, The food is absolutely fantastic. Well, we got to know about this place. Yeah, I'm yeah. Googling it right now. And I can't see. we have friends uh, join us, friends who live in Westchester. Um, That's where we live. Our friend said, uh, I've been driving past this place for 40 years. I'm sure it's new. Is it Gino's Pars? That's it. Oh my god! 
it's, she knows pars. It's 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 in a little strip mall, as are so many wonderful places. It's on Manchester. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What get the out? Shit. You can barely see it from the street because it has you know uh, an outdoor patio with vines and all kinds of stuff. I'm telling. We're there. We're going there. Land we're going. We're there. Okay. It is so good. We're there. And let me know afterwards what you thought. And uh, it's called lamb what? Lamb kubide. Kubide. Kubide is the skewer of ground. Either Sheila, we worship at your altar. Yeah. Did, well, you, see okay. Okay. Did you see us just look at each other like oh, yeah. our eyes just got Yeah, big. that was easy. Because we live in a food desert in well, Westchester. We do. <laughs> kind of do, big time. yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. Yeah. Now, what about like... Um, uh, per, uh, you mentioned you had you like Persian food here, and what else did you Vietnamese. see? Vietnamese. Oh yeah, where do you go? You know what? I love that. Uh, it's sort of a chain. Fa so one. Fa uh, so one. Fa so one. Oh. The number one. Um, and there used to be a place called Fa CT, but you know I won't pronounce that out loud. Okay. Um, think about it. Do you ever eat French food when you're here? Uh, you know what? I, we do. Yeah. Uh, it's not something we crave particularly because you don't ever it. you don't ever cook at all when you're. When oh, you're absolutely, I do. In fact, here? last time we were here, we rented an Airbnb for a month. Our daughter had just had the baby. Uh, my in-laws are elderly and still living at home, so oh I was cooking for our daughter and my in-laws, and it was great. Okay. I, you know, made a lot of soups, things they could put in the freezer. A lot of mac and cheese. What can I say? Yeah, no. I it mean, still works. Yeah. Yeah. The bechamel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I make it without bechamel now, though, because, you know, I can't. It's it's, it's hard. Okay. But what else did I have to ask you? Um, what about desserts? Do you like the desserts here? Do you ever go out? Do you ever go to Artemis or any of those places? No. No. You know, because I'm gluten-free, oh. it's pretty limited. There is, actually, there's a gluten-free restaurant near Judy, uh, mm. on Lincoln, near Washington. It's called 401K. I've seen that place. It's fantastic. Are you it, writing these down, Karen? For me, We're going to listen to the podcast. Oh, okay. For Hello. me to go to a place where I, can, where I can eat anything off the menu um, is heaven. Well, let's talk about that. Gluten-free desserts. Man, they are bad. Well, there's always creme brulee, flan, you know. Yeah, but, but like anybody, any pastry... You know, I I make a lot of gluten-free desserts. Really? Yeah, I make... With pastry? Like cookies and cakes and stuff? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. In fact, in Paris now in the 11th, there is a pastry shop and bakery, bread bakery, called Chambellon. Did I mention that it's in the 11th? Yeah. Yeah. It's in the 11th. Um, They do the tarts and all all of this stuff. They don't do an eclair or, and nothing with puff pastry. You can't do, you just can't do puff pastry properly with gluten-free flour. But they do a darn good job on those tarts. Really? Yeah. Because it's almond. Can they do almond? You can do almond, but there's also really good gluten-free flour, mostly based on rice and a little bit of corn. Of course, it has to be non-GMO. That's for me. That, but in GMOs are basically illegal in Europe anyway. So, um, oh, it's yeah. so interesting. The food thing is so Europe and their food. It's so interesting over there. It's yeah. just, you know, when Catherine and I go to the Marche in the Dordogne, mm-hmm. you know, thank God she speaks French. I don't speak any French at all. She'll just wander around and she'll say, "Oh, 
let's try this croissant. You know, it's the best thing you ever had in your life. I'll be like, it's a croissant. I oh, swear to God. Please. It just, it's like eating air. Yeah. But it tastes like a croissant. Yeah. But it's, it's flavored, so good. Flavored air. And you know what? Why is it so good? And the, the croissant there don't have calories. Did you know that? Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's <laughs> They're why completely have, free of that's calories. That's why I have two, just to yes, make sure. Just to make yeah. sure. Oh my yeah. God. One free chip. And she'll yeah. Go, yeah, and she'll go and she'll just, you know, this woman will be standing with this big giant vat of I don't know what it is, and she'll say, Oh, we'll take some of that. Two two hundred grams of that, please. It's butter. But yeah. it's like, oh, it's it, not just it's all the butter it's, there. It's not Land of Lakes, honey. It's, you know, Le Bleu. Well, yeah, that's like, what I remember when I lived Bleu. there. I couldn't believe the, how the butter. Just oh, basic things God. tasted incredible. Absolutely. And even I, this will sound weird, but celery has flavor. Yeah. Celery has flavor yeah. there. Celery is only used here to either add crunch to tuna salad. Yeah. Or, you know, you put it in your stock. They also use celeriac too. Oh, and, and is, yes, I, I love, love it. Celeriac. I and and uh parsnips. I love parsnips. We have a lot, we do a lot of parsnips. I used to make those for Thanksgiving and they went begging. So so did I. I like I, them. Yeah, after you told me to put less horseradish in them, you liked them. I like them. Yeah. Ooh, horseradish? I That's a great idea. Horseradish. Yeah, but then I put, I made it and then Jan goes, this would be good with less horseradish. I'm like, oh God, everyone's a critic. Well. But then they were, were better. They were better, right? They you were better. So, so you made have me mad. to admit it. Damn yeah. it. Damn it. Yeah. Jam. Oh, Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. I wish we had um, more time. I know. 18 and, hours later. And, you know, we have again, 10 minutes. We have 10 minutes. I, oh, do we? Yes. Well, again, thank you for the invitation to come to see you. Anytime. And stay. La porte vous sera ouverte. Did that happen when I was outside having my coffee? Thing? No, I yeah. just did that. She did, oh, I see. did you see how she did that? I that think was good. She, I think maybe that she invited good. you and not me. No, 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 no. Let me, let me be clear about this. <laughs> Both of you, together or separately, anytime you want. We have uh, a pool. We have tons of room. Awesome. We live in a forest. It's, I it, love it. It's and we have cuckoo birds in the spring. Do you have wild boars that dig up your yard? Like no, Catherine, we do not. Catherine has that in her yard. No, we don't have that. She has wild boars. We have foxes, deer, and uh, we have all our vegetables in raised beds, so oh. they're pretty safe. Um, but and we're we're now growing chili peppers. Oh, mm. so yeah, we'll be the only ones, I think. Yeah, because I love stuff like that in chocolate. Hot, like oh, chili, I love that chili chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Love. Yeah, just a hint. Yeah. Just a hint. Can't be overpowering. Yeah, it's hard. Can we get in a plug for organic agriculture? Yeah. Just for a second? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that's what I've been doing for the last 22 years. Yeah, you do work. So yeah. I help companies get organic certification. I am not myself a certifier. I'm the interface between either the farmer and the certifier or the food manufacturer and the certifier, whatever. And... Um, I, I just have to say that there is, first of all, no reason not to buy organic products anymore. They're not much more expensive than conventional. And if more people purchased organic food, even a portion of their food is organic, it would go a very long way to solving our problems with climate change. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it is the price because it is yes. more expensive. And I don't buy everything organic either. 
I mean, I try to buy, if I, listen, if I go into a produce section and I see they have organic over the other, I will buy the organic. Great. But let me, let me just give you a, a Sheila rule because there's the, supposedly the, the dirty dozen of uh, fruits and vegetables that are most heavily treated. But for me, it's all about how close something grows to the soil. Because if it's sitting in or very close to the soil, it's going to absorb the um, toxins. The toxins. Like those potatoes that the girls are talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and they're doing the regenerative, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, which is hugely important. But start with organic. Start with organic. And I call this my ground up rule. Anything that's a root or tuber has to be organic. Uh, then I go to onions, uh, lettuce, celery, things like the spinach, you know, the leafy greens, all have to be organic. And if you just do that, plus organic coffee, which is, coffee is the most heavily treated food crop in the world. Really? And yes, and um, you might not think you're getting any toxins, but think about the growers who are exposed to that stuff. Don't, don't you talk to me about buying a uh, conventional strawberry because, you know, I have to smack you. Oh, my God. They taste the, they, there's no taste. There's no taste. And I have seen in, uh, in Oxnard, I've seen them spraying while people were in the fields, picking them. Oh, my God. Stop that. Mm. Stop. But the, these things are picked to be able to ship. So they pick them while they're still a little green, very firm, loaded with water. And, you know, they basically don't give a shit about the people working in the fields. And this is completely unacceptable. Yeah. No. So, I heard blueberries, too. Um, I'm okay with non-organic blueberries, but I don't ever buy them. Mm -hmm. I always buy organic. Yeah. Uh Blueberries are pretty heavily treated. Yeah. Raspberries, less so. Yeah. Raspberries, less so. Right. right. I never understood why, but that's what I well, was Well, always... because blueberries have that tough outer skin. Mm. Raspberries are very fragile. Got it. So they'll, they'll you know, go to rot before yeah. they even get into the little container. I stupidly bought blueberries at Ralph's and they're totally flavorless. Why did I do that? But Judy bought some the other day because we were staying with her. Oh. Yeah. Did you know Judy and I lived together for four and a half years? What? Ah, oh, got to go. Look at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were roommates for four and a half years. Uh -huh. Oh, my God, that must have been some good cooking. I, you know what? I wasn't cooking that much then, and she was working nights in restaurants as a uh, either waitress or a manager. Did I just say waitress? I meant wait person. Um, and I okay. was work. we had opposite schedules. So it was actually pretty rare that we ate together. Unbelievable. But um, there were some other stories, non-food related. That's, you know, for another, for another podcast, yeah, exactly. another it's, episode. Exactly. Well, listen, this has been unbelievably great. 
And I mean, the Gino, what is it? Paws? Genos and pa- oh, pars. Yeah. Genos yeah. and pars. I mean, seriously. Maybe the, I might be there tonight. Yeah. We seriously. Owe, we, it's so good. We owe you big time for, it's for that. It's so seriously. good. We and for letting me retire with you guys in France. Oh, yep. we, got, yeah. we got the room. Yeah. Best. Just know that you're until you get your visa, yeah. you have to leave. leave the Schengen area every 90 days. For 90 days. God, just say it. It's really, really strict. It's horrifying. It's stupid. Yeah. We're going to uh, Scotland and England after this, after after LA. But you're going to Hawaii next, right? We're going to Hawaii for a week. We'll come back for a few days. We'll go back home, pick up our car, repack, and uh, drive to Scotland. Oh, that's going to be great. It's pretty fun. It's going to be great. Yeah, except for the driving in Scotland part. And the haggis. I love haggis. Don't eat it. Oh, it's so good. Black pudding, yes. Haggis, no. Okay, that's incongruous. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> that makes no sense. Okay. How about neither for me? I'll just take oh, a... K- haggis take For anyone who cares, haggis tastes like kishka. Ugh. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Kishka's really? bad. Really? Kishka's bad. Oh, I love kishka. I yeah. always liked kishka. But I love kishka. I like kanish. Unrelated. I know. Yeah. They, but both they both start with K. K N. <laughs> Sheila, thank you so much. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. De rien, c'était mon plaisir. C'était mon grand plaisir. Safe travels wherever you go. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye.